0: It's all about drums this time. Cool. I'm sure we'll go off in the weeds a little bit, though. Check. I can hear myself. All right. I'm going to get this going. Ladies and gentlemen, people of all ages, witches and werewolves, and of course, as always, and most importantly, the honey badger, this is episode 10. We've done 10 episodes already of The Modern Recordist. This is episode 10 of The Modern Recordist and another edition of the 15-minute mixdown Time is flying. This is awesome. We're 10 episodes in. Pat ourselves on the back. I'm here with JD. It's me and JD again on this episode, just the two of us hanging out. We're doing a little bit of a different – the last 15-minute mixdown we did was a little bit of a different format than usual, and we're, we're, we're kind of going with that same vibe this time. So the last one we did was like, ended up actually being an hour long. It was probably, I don't, I don't know if that's totally cool though. <laughs> I was totally cool with that. Um, kind of almost even going, even going for that. My phones just did something funny. Um, so this could be a little bit of a longer episode too, but that's cool. Like um, So a lot of times on the modern recordist, we uh, go for sort of more of like targeting the higher level, just kind of creative philosophies of things and not so much the how-tos of recording and stuff. But um, we kind of tackled a little bit of both on the last 15-minute mixdown, and I want to do a little bit of that this time too and so that every once in a while we have an episode that leans a little bit more that way. Um, But I intentionally try to stay away from that um, because there's so much of that information out there you can you can Google so much, or just you know read a magazine, or even check out my blog. And I talk about that. Um, so I kind of wanted th- this podcast to be more about the sort of the ideas behind those things, so that you have more of a, a level of it's it's not so much like you know it's more the 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 skill overall skill of it than it is the any kind of one little particular component because. You know, tactics and actions and things like that can change, but if you have the skills behind it, you know, you're thinking in that way and, like, exploring those spaces, the skills behind um, what ultimately would decide your tactic or action. You know, that's kind of my philosophy on recording really is, you know, there's some things that may be constants or whatever, but um, but then there's uh, there's things that are kind of just inspired tactics in the moment anyway i get off in the weeds right now because but we're supposed to be doing the intro so this is episode 10 of the modern recordist i'm john stinson your host with my co-host jd tyner hello i'm a producer recording engineer mixing engineer working out in nashville tennessee um and yeah i do the podcast i do other things too go on my website check out my blog uh, read about more about me and my album credits and pick up some recording tips and creative tips and things like that. Uh, you can check out episodes of this podcast. You can check out a resource I've put together on simple tips for recording drums. Um, re- recording drums can be a complicated thing, and, and I put together a resource that can simplify that. I don't play drums. JD plays drums. I don't play drums, but I can record them good. And uh, so I I put something together on that. People always think that I'm a drummer because they see that online. They're like, they think that it's about playing drums. It's not about playing drums. It's about recording drums. So check that resource out. Go to johnstinson.com, J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. There's no H in John. Check that out. Hit me up if you want to work with me. It's all good. J.D. Tyner, my co-host with me here. He's the main man behind Glass Onion Recording. Glass Onion Recording is the studio that I do most of my work out of, the studio that we record this podcast out of, the studio that J.D. does most of his work out of, and it's a vibey spot here in Nashville that's really cool place to work, a cool vibey nook. yeah, it's 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 it packs a powerful punch and it's a creative, creative place. We've got uh, we've got a cool selection of vintage analog gear, modern analog gear, digital gear, synthesizers, instruments, cool stuff. Check it out. Go on Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Glass Onion R.E.C. Look at some pictures like the page, become a fan, get in touch with J.D., um, leave some comments, whatever, be a fan. Check out JD at his personal website and all his work there, jdtyner.com. And last time we promoted the, uh, the uh, glass onion uh, Instagram as well. So um, check that out too. Be a Go follow glass onion on Instagram. It's glass onion recording. See all the cool pictures uh, of the vibey spaces and um, all the, great people and projects that come through here check it out follow the follow the account and last and as i say always certainly most definitely least is parish he is not in today so i'm gonna um i'm gonna tease him and uh, bust his chops a little bit um he is the engineering guy that um uh, hangs out and does the engineering on the show and sometimes he hangs out with us and uh and uh, talks with us too. So you'll hear him on the microphone here and there. And uh, he handles all the engineering responsibilities of the show so that uh, J.D. and I can whip him and blame him for all the stuff that breaks in here.
1: So and there's radio silence. Yeah. He's to blame. Yeah. If, like, there's an episode of the <laughs>
0: podcast where, like, it's completely blank air for, like, an hour and a half, send him an email and chew him out. Um, <laughs> um it has it was it's absolutely has nothing to do with me, and it would never be my fault. I'm perfect. In um, any case, uh, Parrish uh, handles all the engineering stuff for us. It's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, he's also a producer, engineer, and uh, you can check out all his work and everything that he's about at jonathanpaulparish.com. He's got uh, a group of guys that he also works with. Uh it's a like a media company, production company, record label recording studio called Villain Place. Check that out, Villainplace.com. Uh Parrish also plays band, plays bass in the band Ave. I had the pleasure of uh doing some mix work for them earlier in the year and their their record is gonna be coming out um this summer, so keep a lookout for that. Uh they've been they were on uh they were on a recent episode of the podcast, so check that episode out. And, um, yeah, keep an eye out for their music and their release. And we'll talk, we'll tell you more about that when, when, when the record drops. Cool. That's it for the, uh, intro and promotional items. This is episode 10 of the Modern Recordist. Thanks for dropping in with us and checking it out. And, uh, you know, I talked a second ago in the intro about recording drums and simple tips for recording drums and stuff like that. So I wanted to make this episode about recording drums and talk with JD for a few minutes about that. And we can just, um yeah, share some ideas and philosophies around recording drums, because recording drums is um, something that seems like something complicated, and it can be complicated. Um, so it's 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 an area that, uh, because, you know, if you're going to record a guitar, a lot of times it's like one or two microphones, but with drums it can be lots of microphones, and where do I put them, and do I put them close, or do I put them far away, and what's most important, do I um do i you know room mics whatever it's like everybody has their thought on um on all that kind of stuff and and some guys make music that's loud and ambient and boomy and they're always like the room mics are the most important thing and some guys don't do that kind of thing and you know so um so it's good to talk about and I, yeah I wanted to talk about that with you today and and uh, cool man what um so um, yeah, what, where, I'll, I'll just put it this way, It's I guess may, maybe an open-ended, sort of open-ended, not specific question, but, um, what's kind of in the, in a general sense, your approach to recording drums? How do you think
1: about it? Um, I guess it's a, honestly, a per project thing, mm-hmm. um, depending on what it kind of calls for. Uh. So that being said, I guess I don't I don't know. There, it's a case by case thing. It's depends, a case by yeah. case thing. It's not really So that's the general. Yeah, I approach. don't really have like it depends. Yeah, 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 the the approach is you know, well, mm-hmm. I don't really have an approach. It's just kind of whatever works yeah. for the for the tune.
0: So, do you have a um a thought on um where kind of the challenges are maybe you've kind of overcome a lot of challenges or whatever but what do you feel challenged by when recording drums even on a case-by-case basis I can think of a couple of things that might be consistently a challenge for me when I'm recording drums yeah and then I can think of things that you know could be on a case-by-case basis but I'll let you answer
1: the question. Yeah, I guess case-by-case basis uh, would be um, getting a really... I don't know. My main objective is usually to get a really good snare sound Mm -hmm. and keeping that annoying hi-hat out of the snare. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Which is... I can identify that. Yeah. That was going to be one close, that was where I was going close to too. impossible, yeah. uh, not impossible, but um, yeah, I don't know because uh, once once you start compressing things and you know then and EQing things, uh, that hi hat can really pop out. Um, so that's that's probably the uh, most common thing I have to wrestle with when recording drums um i don't know other than that uh, i don't know uh, i i like i i try to get a my main thing is a good snare sound a good kick sound mm-hmm. yeah um which i i usually i feel like part of that for me is is tracking uh through a compressor to tape. So mm-hmm. I know some people, I mm-hmm. don't know. Some people don't have outboard gear, especially mm-hmm. these days with people just doing stuff completely in the box. I mean, UAD, obviously like the Apollo and stuff has mm-hmm. like a lot of good options. If you don't have outboard gear, being able to track mm-hmm. with compression and EQ on. Let's
0: pretend, but- let's pretend for a second, let's just throw sort of a hypothetical challenge in the mix. Um, you've been hired to do to come in and record a project and there's just really not that many resources available and it's not here in this studio. Yeah. So they go, <laughs> "Man, we just really want to do this and can you come out and do it and here's the equipment we have and there's no compressors and they want to yeah. record drums." So yeah, that be what, difficult. What do you what would how would you Let's just I'm just throwing up putting you on the uh, spot and throwing yeah, this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I I in in that case, I would think I, w- I would say having some uh having some you know, uh inline pads would be a good friend to have there. Uh I so I don't know. One 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 thing I love to do these days is uh if your if your mic pre does not have an output attenuation to it, um getting you know, ten, twenty dB pads, popping them on the output of your comp- or, or output of your mic pre, driving it a little bit, driving that driving the input to that mic pre a little bit, because uh, that will add a little bit of like natural compression, mm-hmm. um, which can help a little bit. Uh, tracking like that, and pads are a lot cheaper than compressors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you can if if you can have you know. 410 db and 420 db and you know in your little to-go bag to just be able to like pop onto things if you need them if you're not gonna if, if you know you're gonna be in a situation where you don't have any compressors that would be something i would i would want to have with me um because it, it, it really does add some natural compression to help control levels and stuff mm-hmm. but if not i would just try to get a good drummer that can play well and not smack the hell out of things and have your levels all over the place. Um, and then I would I would record levels rather conservatively because bitrate in computers are pretty good these days, and you can always turn it back up and mm-hmm. compress it in the box. So I don't know. Does that answer your, yeah. That your yeah, question? Yeah, that's cool. Sure. Um, yeah, I was just curious what, how you would do it. So yeah. I feel like, like pads, I don't know. Sometimes pads with drums, I don't know how many... I don't know how many people that really comes to their mind too often, but I feel like that's mm-hmm. actually really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know. I I almost religiously drive my mic pre's and pad the output, whether mm-hmm. it's actually putting a pad on the output of the uh, preamp, or if it's something like a like we have some like Neve clones where you know there's a, you can drive the input and turn down. Yeah. output yeah um and to me that's how you get a good drum sound Mm -hmm. cool um yeah awesome man not to where you're distorting or anything well maybe 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 a little bit but not like yeah yeah not sounding like you're in a garage bashing away unless you want that unless you want that yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. but on a a day-to-day basis and
0: if you really want that you sound where you're in a garage bashing away i might suggest
1: go into a garage and bash away That, too. That'd be very important. Yeah. Yeah. That'd get you the sound you were looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So,
0: yeah, um, you know, I think that that kind of... Some of what you said there did kind of go back and maybe sort of answer that question of, like, your general approach to recording drums, you know. um, It it kind of answered a few questions in one. Um, You said... uh, that you really are cognizant about getting a really good kind of kick and snare sound and then making sure that hi-hat doesn't just get all over the place and kind of get into that. And so I would say maybe that's kind of a uh, sort of your general approach is like when you're thinking about approaching, I'm kind of maybe could be interjecting this a little bit, but you know, kind of going back to maybe circle around to that question and maybe kind of um, put maybe a little, Uh, definition on it but um you know when you walk into a studio and you're tasked with okay today we're going to record drums the thing your mind goes to or let's get this going you're going let's look at kick and snare and let's look at hi-hat yeah and kind of get that taken care of and dial it in and so when you do that is it like when you're dialing that stuff in are you um where do you start with dialing it in like you know you're standing in a room and like we're okay in an hour we need to be recording drums yeah. what's what maybe is the sort of step 1 step 2 step 3 of of approaching that you know you're in a room there's a drum kit in the room that's what you have right now that's yeah. that's that's what's up so what's like kind of step 1 where would you start with that
1: uh i guess i, I don't know i guess i would start with i guess what kind of music it is and what what the song is going to consist mm-hmm. of, because um, honestly, I've been a huge proponent as of late uh, of recording drums not using cymbals mm-hmm. uh, or trying not to, and then either overdubbing them or just not having them in the song. Cause, mm-hmm. Like, it, you'd be surprised uh, how much you don't miss cymbals mm-hmm. in a song, like especially in a recording. Um now then again that's also genre based. Sure. Um so I guess depending on the song I I might look at that and then and then start to mic from there. Cuz if there's no symbols if we weren't going to use symbols I would I would mic the kit in a completely different way. Uh huh Uh I mean I have some of my own techniques that I I like for that but that's like I don't know. Sometimes going into like great detail and explaining some things that probably would not make sense over. Yeah, it's hard to talk about it without any kind of visual reference necessarily. Yeah, but I I guess just, you know, uh, if it were just standard, okay, this song's a basic, you know, rock tune or indie tune, symbols. You know, you have your rack tom, your floor tom. We have a ride, a crash, maybe two crashes. Uh, My. My first thing would um, – I tend to – I don't really tend to do, like, uh, traditional, like, stereo overheads. Mm-hmm. I kind of tend to do that kind of Glenn johns thing thing mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. with, like, a mono overhead and then one kind of back behind you, kind of over the tom a little bit, mm-hmm. before tom a little bit. Uh, and I tend to mic the toms as well, mm-hmm. which – If you are brave enough and you have a competent drummer enough, I would suggest I would highly recommend using ribbon mics on toms. I love it; they just like they sound great. Um, Maybe not for everything, uh, but you know, especially in the indie world, um, yeah. Try some try some ribbon mics on toms sometime. Um, But uh, yeah, so I. I would do that kind of Glenn Johnsey thing, mic some toms. Um I used to hate uh snare bottom mics, but now I love them. Cool. <laughs> um So I I usually go for miking the snare top and bottom. Um, I I usually just mic the kick if there's a hole in it. I just kind of stick the I've I've become, I've been starting to do more and more, not sticking the mic all the way in the kick, mm-hmm. but sticking it, just like sticking yeah. it like at the hole. Right. Um, and I have this, I have this uh, kind of fake sub kick that I tend to use. It's actually like an old PA speaker from a, from a, like an old school has, uh-huh. still has like the, um, you know, like you look at like a vintage guitar amp and that kind of I can't like the tweed covering. On yeah, it, it kind of looks like that, and I'll yeah. just stick that. Like I'll just set that on the floor in front of the kick sometimes to get that sub kick thing. So it's like a it's like a speaker cone that's in a it's still in yeah an it's enclosure. already in like a yeah in yeah. an enclosure yeah. an old wooden enclosure. Yeah. it looks cool. And you too. never ripped it out of there. I never ripped yeah. it out. Yeah. Um So yeah, sometimes I'll put that. So maybe explain the sub kick concept a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it just picks you know? up lower frequency. Like it's a bigger cone, so it's going to pick up. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's typically like it's a speaker wired backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of picks up those lower frequencies. And, and so there's pretty much no in. like real detail in it. It's just super Yeah, or you can low. filter it out. Yeah. Uh, So the idea is that you would combine that, right? Yeah, combine that with the kick, with your regular kick mic. Yeah. Um, And then, I don't know. uh, I don't normally mic the hi-hat. Some people that I really respect what they're doing tend to, and I think they get great sounds, but I just, I don't know, maybe it's that, snare bottom thing. Mm -hmm. As of right now, I'm just not into it, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'll come around to it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I always, I usually have enough hi-hat in my drums that I don't want to add anymore. Um, Unless I'm going to like overdub the hi-hat or something. Uh, But, I don't know. So, yeah, and then I just, I just tend to dial all that in. Um, I love having, I mean, I love having kick and snare run through some type of uh Neve preamp just so I can drive it a little bit more and mm-hmm. turn down the the output um I'll tell you what though uh and this is I guess this is this is kind of a little bit of like a plug for somebody that I guess wasn't expecting a plug um but so sphere Recording consoles is is a thing, again. I don't know who who is familiar with Sphere recording consoles. They made fantastic consoles. Um, and they have been revived by uh, a guy I used to work for, Duncan Rowe. And they are making a, a little four-channel mic preamp thing that is the old original... Sphere Mike Breeze. And he brought that unit in here and we did some uh some kind of shootouts with snares against the snare and kick uh, as far as like my Bernavel APIs and my Vetus Neve clones and um and these sphere mic breeze. And man, if I could have some of those sphere mic Breeze for kick and snare, that's probably one of my just Just getting snare through a mic, pretty straight into Pro Tools. That's probably one of my favorite sounds I've gotten as far as snare goes, Uh, because really, the uh, really what they have is just an input pad. So there's either like no input pad, I think like a 15 dB input pad, and the and then a 30 input dB pad, and then you're really from there you're just the the attenuation knob on it is just an out output attenuation. Mm-hmm. So if you put no pad on it or even the 15 dB pad, I mean you can be cranking that you can be hitting that mic pre pretty, pretty hard and then just turn down the output and you got a really good sounding snare. Cool. Uh so those those are like kind of on the market but I don't know. I don't I don't know what the yeah. deal is with them. They sound they sound great. I wish they could be uh available to the masses um because I think more people should track through those because they sound really great. Sure. All that to say, so normally kick a snare through something Nevy, so I can I mean one, it sounds great, those it, you know, the the just what they do sounds great. And then turn down the output. Uh and then I tend to run my overheads through um my API, my Brainaver APIs and that, honestly, I don't. I tend to not put too much compression on those going to t- to tape because I I do that whole thing I was talking about. Uh, I put twenty dB pads on the output of the mm-hmm. mic prees when I'm recording that, and I just kind of drive them just a little bit. So when you put, when you compress things
0: when you you know as you're recording them, like to tape is just an expression. Just to clarify, yes, yes. Recor- uh, compressing to tape. It's just an expression. It's not necessarily a literally. Just, all it means is compressing during the recording process. So the comp- so the so there's a compressor in the <laughs> chain, and that and that compression uh, sound is being recorded, committed to the actual recording. Um, when you say that you do that, yeah. com-, com compress in that way mm-hmm. while you're recording. You're you're talking about kick and snare. You do it. You do that.
1: Yeah, I, I compress kick and snare. Um, okay. I mean, uh, and sometimes I mean, depending on how tom heavy the track is, sometimes toms, or depending on how cymbal heavy the track is, like mm-hmm. sometimes cymbals. Um, but sometimes I just kind of like getting that natural compression from just driving the mic pre and then yeah. having the output attenuated. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. So I want
0: to I want to go to the back to when you're talking about sometimes recording with no symbols at all. Yeah, what's the um, how what where, where how does that play And, like where's where's that decision or that where's what's the motive in that? You know, what's your thought processes around coming up to with that idea and and following that line of um,
1: creative thinking? I guess sometimes symbols can like wash some things out sometimes i mean they get really washy and and i think sometimes they get in the way of some things, especially like in recorded sound Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes if you just have that good solid kick snare hi-hat beat going and some tom, like i mean i don't know i personally love like like a good tasteful tom fill I've really been into the concert Toms recently too, which is taking the bottom Tom head off. Mm-hmm. It's a very like 70s thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I like taking that approach because I feel like the song can like hold down a beat a lot better and that you can get a lot more just like, I don't know, like good clarity out of the mm-hmm. kit yeah. and just like really be able to, Put it really forward in in the mix, yeah. and and without having to worry about all of a sudden this crash is going to hit, and yeah. and you know then it's going to like wash everything out. Sure. Um, but I mean, there's plenty of people that do really great work uh, with symbols. So yeah. um, I mean, it's it's all just skills and, and making yeah. it work and yeah. stuff. But I, I I do like if if a if a song doesn't need symbols. Um, I love just kind of moving them away from the kit and micing the kit in a different way. So if you do no cymbals, is that crashes and
0: rides and then hi-hats are still there? Hi-hats are usually still there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and so does it? do you find that it changes when you record? Is that like... Would that be in a scenario where you're recording a whole ensemble of musicians together? Or would it be where you're like, let's just focus on drums and we'll overdub everything else? Or uh, a little of both or something?
1: Maybe a little of both. I feel like mainly it's been when we're focused on drum tracking. Okay. Yeah. So it wouldn't necessarily... I'm wondering about
0: how it might influence the drummer's performance. Like, if he has no... If he has no symbols to punctuate certain areas of the song right what you make it what you make a choice to punctuate it in a different way and like playing the a fill a certain way or choosing a certain uh, fill? yeah
1: or? i think that's when you run into like uh <laughs> i feel like such a jerk saying this good drummers and mediocre drummers uh-huh. uh i feel like a good drummer can like you know delete that part uh-huh and just play play the rest yeah um and if they need to accentuate it, cool. And if not, whatever. You can do that with other things. Or if you go back and you feel like maybe there needs to be just like a symbol hit into this into this chorus, like just overdub it. You yeah. Know? Um, then you have a lot more control over you know that symbol hit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sure. Then you're. I guess that's that's kind of getting out of... I know some people are very, very uh, purists when it comes to, like, commitment. You know, it's like, yeah, you got you to record and commit, and you just got to make those decisions and all that stuff. And I guess for me, it, I guess that kind of takes away a little bit from that because mm-hmm. you're you're getting very into, like, um, you know, like, picking apart the drums. But, I mean, you know, guitarists get to overdub. like, yeah. uh, Like yeah vocalists get to overdub yeah. and throw in like other little parts and not have to like it's i mean just, vocalists don't have to sing their delay, you know yeah. like so yeah. why can't why can't a drummer i think I saw a uh
0: i think I saw something where like a live performer somewhere did sing the delay and it was kind of funny, and yeah. then I almost want to say it was a michael Jackson live <laughs> performance where he sang the delay, yeah part, but it's kinda amazing know, that's funny um. I, I when you're talking about recording drums with no cymbals and stuff I might have the wrong but I in my mind I remember having a discussion with somebody about how cuz Eric Valentine was involved in um in um um Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf okay that record and um and I think they recorded it with the drums with no cymbals. Yeah, and that's man, those man, that I love. Oh yeah, the drum sounds
1: on that record. It's yeah, really cool. yeah. Um, there was some other record recently that was done without cymbals. Man, I can't remember what it was. But yeah. I went and lo- I went and listened to it, and yeah, it was it was killer.
0: I get the I get the the philosophy though. It's really a cool idea. You know, um, I don't think I've ever recorded. Without symbols and then overdubbed them. I mean, I've overdubbed symbols and stuff, but not because it was just oh we should do that. Like it came up later, but um, um, I do get the idea and it's a cool. I think it's a cool idea. I mean, it's a little bit of a tweakier thing, but really when it comes down to that kind of like workflow decision, it's 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 just you know, realize it's just another approach and it's like another, okay, well, this is just a part of like, we're going to be a little bit more tweaky here. It's another thing to yeah. creatively manage. It's just, it's not, I don't think it's to me. I'm never, I'm never like subscribed to a particular philosophy just for that philosophy's sake. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah, just absolutely. like, it's just like, uh, here's how it could serve us. And then here's where it might be. Because if you, if you talk about, if you think about the idea of like being a purist and it's like, always commit, always commit, always commit. Well, it's not like that's a, Completely 100% perfect way to do it, either, right? There's sort of, there can be a downside to that too, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. every, every, everybody, every kind of way of thinking has its own downside. So it's just, it's just knowing that, you know? Um, but um, yeah, it's cool, man. Um, so here's a thought. Here's something I, I wanted to know about. Um, and maybe you kind of already, in some ways, we've kind of already stepped into this question but um do you for me i find a lot of times speaking of managing a creative process for me i find help that helps me manage my creative process and the and the creative process of everybody i'm working with to kind of have a workflow that's kind of repeatable and that can like evolve over time whatever yeah. but to, to kind of get into thing where it's like I have this like general workflow that's repeatable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like a template and like a lot of that, you know, I really apply that line of thinking and mix work and yeah. I'll kind of have a sort of a mix setup that I'm like, I'm going to set everything up in this way. And it's 90% pre set up and it just right, fits right. that template. But also, you know, in some other areas of, of recording and stuff, um, kind of one being drums, you know, there's kind of some maybe a one or two templates that I really kind of just use re- repeatedly and go to. Yeah. Do you have anything like that? Are you do you do you in your workflow are you kind of like do you repeat yourself um
1: for periods of time just for like sort of a workflow? Yeah, I feel like I don't know, sometimes I'll set up like templates in Pro Tools for me to just like open for a band or like if i know i'm gonna have some people coming in like if i know i have a new project that is coming up i'll you know take some time and make a template and usually when it comes to drums my thing my template is kind of what i was uh is that setup i was talking about earlier glen john's stuff yeah okay two two overheads like you know one on top one behind and then uh Mike the Tom's, two kick mics, two snare mics. So that's kind of a Glenn Johns Plus. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Johns. Yeah. Glenn yeah. Johns yeah. Plus. Yeah, yeah. That's um, cool. and so that's kind of my go to. Uh and then I automatically set up my and then in in that template I automatically set up uh my uh like parallel buses to just like parallel usually it's to parallel compress like the entire drum bus Mm -hmm. um and uh and usually as of late it's been i it's been like two different parallel compression buses um that i mix together okay uh, that now we're talking in the mix in the mix phase of things now, yeah it's right? in, mi- okay. in the mix phase of things but you, usually when i'm tracking too not necessarily while i'm tracking but i have them ready there so that once i'm done tracking i can just kind of dump them over to that and then have like a pretty decent drum sound for the rest of tracking okay yeah. okay i
0: see what you're saying so like you so say like you're recording drums and you're like or, or maybe a basic tracking session and then once you guys shift into maybe overdubs yeah now you've got you, you, you've you set it up to where the you're it's part of your sort of drum mix for listening to as you right vibe to get overdubs done. yeah 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 so that people
1: are what's why do you do that uh I feel like it really brings out the nuances of the drums. I mean it's it's the same reason you do it while you're mixing. But I feel like when people when people are tracking, you know, they're they're not they're not gonna wanna just listen to like flat drums. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like obviously if they record it well, they're not gonna sound like flat drums. But, you know, when you have like, you know tastefully compressed drums and you run them through your Your parallel buses and you have all that mixed together and you just have like a really good solid drum sound. Like to me, drum sounds drive the rest of the track. And like, if you have crappy drum sounds, it's hard to like get into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that like without the parallel compression, it'd be crappy drum sounds. Like I don't like recording crappy drum sounds. Yeah. I just, it just really brings it out. And I feel like, Gives it that that extra punch, mm-hmm. that extra detail, mm-hmm. to where when people are tracking, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I'm like into this. It just makes it a little bit more exciting for for yeah. overdubs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So and I'll try to do, like go through and do some like, you know, quick EQ. And stuff. I mean, if I have the time, I'll go through and like try to just full on mix the drums. It's kind of uh, the philosophy is like always be mixing. Yeah. Kind of philosophy. That's what I try to do. Yeah. So that's cool. Especially if I'm going to be, if I know I'm mixing the record. Yeah. I just mix as I go. Yeah. So that by the time, like, so that by by the time that we're done, I can just, like, bounce down, like, a pretty decent, like, tracking bounce for them to listen to, and then Mm -hmm. just from there, just, which, honestly, that too, side note, tracking bounces, I've, I I don't know, like, I'm becoming less of a proponent of them. (laughs) I know people want to, like, hear their stuff at the end of the tracking, but, like, like i don't know sometimes people get so attached to a tracking bounce uh and then you go to mix it and they're just like wait what Mm -hmm. this isn't the same thing i was listening to." yeah i I was gonna bring that up a little bit like that's uh,
0: that's a kind of a challenge right like if you do things like you're setting things up and you're kind of doing this always be mixing kind of thing um i don't know or like because i do that too always be mixing but at a certain... Sometimes I find myself deliberately holding back on the Always Be Mixing because I don't want to... I don't want to get everybody... I don't want to... All of a sudden, people are like so used to a particular sound or something and then it's... We're shoehorned into it being that when we actually go to mix or people... Or it just throws people for a loop later
1: down the road when you get the real mix going or something. Yeah, or sometimes I'm like, well, maybe... (laughs) I'm like, maybe... Maybe that should be a compliment that at the end of my tracking, yeah, bounce like they liked that enough to be yeah. their mix. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, whatever, yeah. but yeah. Um I don't know. It's I mean different people are different. Obvious obviously. Um <laughs> but uh I don't know. So there there's just been some circumstances recently where that's been the case. Uh and yeah, it's not necessarily the the mix is bad. It's just not the tracking. Balance. It wasn't
0: intentional as the final mix. I mean, as much right. as like the always be mixing philosophy is to kind of it, it's to gradually. It's always to be. It's always to be making choices right now, thinking about what the mix will be, and to kind of right. always get people in that vibe and all the time and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, the full intention of the right now is to record great sounding parts. Mm-hmm. and not not to have a final mix, you know, and so then when right. you get into the into the sessions that are actual mix sessions, and the full intention of this, the objective here is to create actual mixes, and that's what we're most cognizant of right you, you know it it is different it is a different you know it's it's because you're one hundred percent thinking about that, you know yeah um you know it's it's the one hundred percent top priority, whereas in tracking, even though it's always be mixing the mix isn't the 100% top priority right now. Mm -hmm. Getting a great vocal is, or getting a great snare drum sound or something is. So cool, man. So um, we can get close to wrap this up now. Um, uh, So I would just say, you kind of already maybe answered this, and it's also kind of a it depends kind of question, maybe. I I won't try to overqualify the question before I ask it, but... Um, what do you think is, what feels like, at least at this point in time, the most important part of the drum kit? What's the most important part of the drum kit, the drum sound, from a general standpoint? When you walk in, you know, yeah, what's the most important part of a drum count,
1: drum sound? I've always said snare. I think, um, I don't know, like you go back and listen to Different records along the way, and I mean, kick is important, but you listen to different record, and kick. I mean, kicks are all over the place, from like, you know, punchy in your face to like floppy to just like a like a heartbeat. You mm-hmm. know, like, and uh, but I feel like snare. If you if you if you have a crappy snare sound, if you don't like, if it's if it's not a decent snare sound, it just The whole then the whole mix the whole song sounds amateur Mm -hmm. you know like as far as the recording goes I mean Mm -hmm. it could be a really brilliant song Mm -hmm. Um, and that's still gonna shine the Mm -hmm. song like the the song is still gonna shine Mm -hmm. but as far as like audio quality if you I just feel like yeah if you don't have a good sounding snare drum. It just kind of detracts from, yeah,
0: the, right. the quality of the sure. tune. Okay, so last question, then we'll wrap it up. Um, how? What's the What's the most important part? How do you get a good snare sound? <laughs> Before anything else, how do you get? How do you ensure that it's like when you you go, okay, I'm happy with that snare, and everybody in the room is happy with that snare, and yeah what what's the most
1: important thing there the most important tactic to do to getting that um i think i personally think that uh first and foremost is a good sound good sounding snare drum um and then after that a good player so a good sounding snare drum meaning the actual drum itself yes that it it sounds
0: the way that you want it to sound Mm -hmm. uh And And if it doesn't, and if it doesn't sound the way that you want it to sound, where would you, what, what would you do first to make it closer to what, how you want it to sound? Like you're listening to somebody hit a snare drum with your own ears and there's nothing else, you know, we're not talking about listening through a microphone or
1: listening through anything. It was actually like, you're hearing it with your own, directly with your own ears. I would, I would try to get them to retune it. And if it's not, if it's still not happening, I would get a different snare or like different heads on it. Mm -hmm um i've been learning more and more that heads are very important um so yeah i would i would first try to i would first go with the sound like the sound like having a good sounding snare drum mm-hmm. and then a, and then a decent player like a, mm-hmm. a good player that can you know hit it right i know you think oh i just have to hit this thing um but yeah i mean i it's it's funny that i've had like I've mic'd the same snare before and had two different t- yeah. people play it, and it sounds different.
0: Right, and this is a drummer saying this, so like you know firsthand, like because you're t- you're skilled in playing drums, you know what it's like playing drums, and so you know how like striking it different ways brings out different yeah. nuances of the snare, makes different sounds and things like that. So that's why a player is important because something like me, I'm aware of that, but I don't, I'm not. I, you know, I don't play drums, so I don't know, like, to sit down and, like, know how to do that. Yeah. I know, like, generally... Yeah. You know, you can have the angle of how you... what. There's a lot of ways. But, but you know, so that's why the drummer yeah. is important.
1: Right. Yeah. And then even down to, like, the sticks you're using. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. there's everything. Yeah. But then that usually goes along with the drummer, like, you know, what their personal taste is and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, then that becomes their sound. Cool. Um. But yeah, and then after that, whatever mic you're using, then mic pre, uh, and then what you do to it, what processing you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the more you get down the chain, the more it becomes more about choice and taste. Yeah, once you're... I don't know. I mean, to have a good sounding snare drum is is getting it sounding right is, is first and foremost. But I don't know, sometimes for me, once I start adding some compression to a snare it's just that's when like I yeah feel like the snare really starts coming yeah
0: out. cool well that's awesome man i'm gonna wrap this up cool. um because we're um you know we've gotten uh we're at like nearly 50 something around 50 minutes now and yeah. uh that's more than the 15 minute mix down but you know these these last two 15 minute mix downs have been a little bit longer and that's cool um just gave jd and i some time to get to uh talk with one another and chat and give some more kind of like explore a different area of this podcast and more kind of like technical recording tricks, maybe something like that. The last thing I will say about um, getting, you know, we were just talking about with like getting a good snare sound. um, You know, what I've kind of come to realize is that it's, it's so like, Almost pretty much everything is subjective. So, the first, I'd say, like my thought, my final thought in getting a good snare sound, getting any sound really in the studio is to define for yourself mm-hmm. what is good. Because, oh, yeah. Because in some specific circumstances, terrible might actually be good. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Banging on some piece of metal and calling it a snare drum might be the thing that's awesome you know absolutely so anyway that's just so that would be the final takeaway that i would interject there um as i mentioned i have a resource on my website it's called recording drums 101 it's a just a simple resource for recording drums and it's it's really geared towards getting up and going and not having to think a whole lot about the philosophies and technical aspects of recording drums. JD mentioned a few times when we talked about the Glenn Johns, it's a microphone technique for recording drums. I've got that uh, on this resource. I talk about the Glenn Johns method. I talk about some other methods for recording drums. There's, you know, everything from just recording drums with one microphone, um, you know, and then and then I've got some other Uh, some other posts that talk about a little bit more complicated but the idea is that it's not it's not this super technical tweaky thing about needing to know all the science behind recording and all that it's just it's just kind of like enough to get you up and going and here's some here's here are some uh setups and um, so it's very, it makes it, it's really simplified. So go check that out, Recording Drums 101. You can go to my website, johnstenton.com, and then on the, uh, right there on the front page, you just scroll down a little bit, there's the link. You'll see actually JD playing drums. It's a picture of JD playing drums here in this room we're sitting in right now. And um, and click that picture, and it'll take you to Recording Drums 101, and, and, and so check it out. Um, Yeah, that's it for this episode of The Modern Recordist and this edition of the 15-Minute Mixdown. This was episode 10 of The Modern Recordist. Thanks for checking it out. Thanks for being subscribed and being a listener. We're 10 episodes in. You've been with us for 10 episodes. That's awesome. Pat yourselves on the back. Give us a hooray. Help us celebrate these 10 episodes by making sure you're subscribed, sharing this podcast with a friend, getting some people subscribed, spreading the word, leaving us a good rating and review on iTunes as well. Good ratings and reviews will help spread the word. So help us celebrate 10 episodes so that we can do 10 more episodes and 10 more episodes after that and 10 more episodes after that and 10 more episodes after that forever. Uh, Thanks so much. That's it. Uh, There will be more soon. And until then, go live your extraordinary life of an
1: artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world.